Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear, and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's guest is Dennis Conrad. Welcome, Dennis. Hello, how are you today? I am doing great. Dennis is a celebrated teacher, speaker, and author. Today we're celebrating the release of his latest book, Two Cent Piece, the first in a series of children's books called In God We Trust. During his years as a professor of speech communication at Barstow Community College in California, Dennis taught at Fort Irwin, the National Training Center for the U.S. Army. After earning his certification in teaching English as a foreign language, he and his wife Diane taught speech and English five summers in Kazakhstan, two summers in South Korea, and three summers in China. He has served on the board of directors of the Diamond Valley Writers Guild, and he is a fellow of the National Writing Project. Dennis, I see you as an encourager. You have a wonderful way of identifying needs and finding practical and creative ways to meet them. I also see you as purposeful engaging and hopeful. How do you see yourself? I thought about this before I got a chance to talk to you, and I want to let you know there are two aspects. One, there's a spiritual part, and that is who I am in Christ. Uh, In age 37, I had a lady hand me a four spiritual laws booklet, and uh, when I read the booklet, Uh, There's a prayer at the back. Well, I prayed this prayer and asked Jesus to come into my life and forgive me of uh, my transgressions in the past. And uh, there was a sense of peace that came over me. So that has been uh, one of the major considerations of how I see myself as a believer and follower of Jesus. Uh, Second of all, there is really this communication aspect of my life that I've asked you, you know, uh, in the past to go ahead and you're aware of. The best part is, is that I love communicating and I love the idea of relationships, putting people together, networking, and also being on task to be able to help them uh, improve their communication skills. Was that always something that was true of you? Were you always a talker? I was. I was, actually. (laughs) uh, I I had a really great teacher. Uh, This lady, Marjorie Davis, was Uh, My speech teacher in high school, uh, she handed me a little handout, and it said, uh, apply for the University of Kansas Debate Institute, and it was a speech and debate institute over the summer. I applied, and I got a Fulbright scholarship in high school. Wow, impressive. And uh, that was, uh, it was a gift. Uh, The uh, uh, ability to go and to be able to attend there, and uh, my uh, roommate at the time actually ended up with uh, my buddy. He was my debate partner, and he his parents paid for him. But uh, we went together, and it was fantastic. It was a great opportunity, and it opened up the opportunity to be a speech teacher eventually in all kinds of things. So who is the storyteller that inspired you? Storytelling is so relational, and so I'm, I'm fairly confident you observed early in your life that the power stories had and maybe even learned at the feet of a really good storyteller. Yeah, I had... Um, an Uncle Chester who would tell some stories, and uh, he uh, just had a really good way with, uh, oh, telling uh, about family events or activities and things like that. And I've thought deeply about uh, the storytelling history in my life. I think what happened is, is I got to listen 
two stories. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I, when I was a kid, uh, a man gave me some coins. He gave me three coins that are before the Buffalo nickel. They're called Liberty Head nickels. And uh, he invited my dad and I, he was a coin collector, and he said, hey, look, you might like uh, something with this. And my dad and I went to the L.A. Coin Club. And we went down to, uh, uh, this is uh, when I'm 10 years old, and from uh, the 1960s and into the 70s, I got a chance to sit at the feet of people who told the history and the background of coins. It was phenomenal. I learned so much, and uh, uh, the people would bring samples of their coins or display them, and uh, it was it was a wonderful setting to be hearing storytellers. One a month, uh, it would be every month, there was somebody who would be telling a story. Oh, I'm so glad you captured that for us in this series of books that I'm really looking forward to talking about that. But before we do, um, let's talk about some of the other relational aspects uh, that have uh, helped shape your life. So clearly, um, teaching is an important part of preserving truth and history. So tell me how you became a teacher. Well, uh, I actually found myself standing up in front of rooms and uh, in speech contests and what have you. So I would teach a, a short story or I actually gave a presentation about postcards and the history of postcards at one point. The uh, change that uh, happened for me is, is I happened to be at Cal State Northridge and they had an opening and I had had a man who was a roommate or a, he was a, a contemporary of mine. He was my roommate and he was a graduate assistant. And he, so he was teaching at the school. Well, uh, by the time I got to be a senior, they said, would you like to apply to be a uh, a teacher here, and I made the application, and I ended up getting to, uh, when I was doing my graduate work, to teach public speaking 101, just the very basic class, and it was fantastic. I loved it, and I was able to be off and running as a speech teacher, and then speech coach later on, and then uh, went on to also teach political science, and um, also around Sunday school and such, such like that, I would uh, do some presentations. And then we taught overseas, too. I think I've mentioned that to you. Yes. So um, you are a great teacher and a great coach. And you and I met uh, through the Chosen to Speak organization. We featured uh, Dave Arden, the founder of that organization, on a couple of our previous podcasts. So it was such a delight for me to get to know you through that organization and just to benefit personally from your ability to teach, to choose words carefully, and then to really just build relationships. So how um, how is teaching overseas how did that form? Uh, we had some friends of ours who happened to have a connection in Kazakhstan, and they uh, came up and uh, talked to us. And uh, my wife knew this one man who had been very active in a church, and uh, he and his wife came, talked to us, and they said, look, would you like to go as part of a team? You're both community college instructors. Uh, the door is opening now after the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, we can go ahead and go in and provide continuing education for university professors. And so we came in and, uh, for example, I taught poetry, uh, games for teaching English, uh, ideas and strategies for how to uh, make sure that they can give a good speech. And so all of those different topics ended up, we ran a debate camp one time. And imagine the topic that we did. We did the topic of space tourism. Okay. And, and space tourism has become a reality today. And this was back in the uh, early 2000s when we were doing that. And uh, the um, uh, uh, Kazakhs, are, that's where they shoot, they, that's where all of their... Um, 
everything lands when they come back to Russia from uh, the International Space Station and everything at Baikonur. So, wow, how exciting! How exciting! Were there special challenges? Uh, there were. I'll tell you. Uh, we we ran into uh, <clears throat> sometimes just the uh, experience of being able to uh, get ready to teach. For example, one night my wife opens a window and uh, we're on the third floor and the light is real bright and everything and it's really stuffy in this room. So my wife opens the window and naturally about a thousand mosquitoes come Uh up. They bite my face and the next day I walk in and I have uh, all these mosquitoes all over my face and uh, mosquito, mosquito bites. And the reality was the next day you're on. You have to go ahead and perform. So you just do the do the job. Uh, we had uh, wonderful encounters with the folks. We would have picnics afterward in the afternoon. We would go for hikes. We would do uh, on the Saturdays. We would uh, take them out and we would do fun things that uh, in their school system that is really not allowed very much. They're concentrating on the academics. The teachers are very focused. They don't get to relax very much, but we made it fun and exciting for them. My wife actually learned the hooky lao with a bunch of other of our uh, faculty members, and uh, they uh, actually gave an Hawaiian luau event uh, on a stage and everything to the uh, uh, listening teachers. And it took them like five days to learn how to do all of the movements to the hukilau and everything. They got up and did it. And then the teachers, the Kazakh teachers, all are very rhythmic and dance-oriented. So they get up uh, and stand behind the uh, uh, the American teachers who are there and they learn it in like five minutes the, the uh, uh, what had taken uh, the Americans uh, five days to master uh, they mastered it very quickly and just had a wonderful time and everybody had that community and then there are chances to talk about other topics and people get into all kinds of subject matter uh, including matters of faith yes I think that was the most fun for me too is that cultural exchange and um, seeing how people communicate differently, how they uh, form their relationships sometimes a little differently, the things that they value and, and the priorities that they set. And that's just always so fun for me as a speaker, especially when I've had opportunity to also speak internationally. So I'm so happy for you for those experiences. Turn the corner a little bit. And let's talk specifically now about your book. You kind of told us that many years ago you had inspiration because you heard great storytellers talking about uh, monetary values. So let's talk now about your series and then more specifically about the book that you're now releasing. Well, the series is all about coins and it also has faith elements. And it kind of combines that whole idea of, uh, with, my, with the Bible as a priority, uh, but also communicating to younger children and helping them get an idea of um, what really can happen when they have faith. Uh, the two-cent piece is the uh, first coins that ever had the words in God we trust on. It. So uh, that was uh, important. And I had read an article when I was a teenager about the two-cent piece. And I always wanted to write another article or elaborate on that one or do something new and inventive. And one day I can uh, see the the type of book that that story was in and, and, in my office right here. And I had a feeling, I said, I want to write something about the two-cent piece. And I felt like the Lord had given me an idea to go ahead and write about the coin, but tell it as a story. And once I got the idea for a story, and here's what it is. There's a young girl. Her name is Anne. She has three brothers. 
her three brothers are going off to fight in the Civil War in 1864. She gets the brand new coins. She gives them to her brothers to encourage their faith. She's able to go ahead and also interact with another uh, young person. And without giving away too much of the story, uh, the coins have an impact, a dramatic impact on the lives of those boys. And so that's the uh, story that I have. And the series coming up includes uh, something that I'm working on right now, which will deal with Bible coins. Uh, Another one deals with a coin that is um, an off-center coin. It's an error coin. And a young boy who's um, uh, has some physical uh, disabilities, uh, is also interested in a coin that has a little bit of oddity to it. Uh, there's a story about a lady, uh, a young girl. She ends up getting a coin collection from her grandfather, and the grandfather is so excited to share with his uh, granddaughter But she has a conviction when she goes to church, she hears about an orphanage. And so she feels like she's uh, needing to give these coins away because they become an idol. She actually dreamt that she had bowed down in front of a big uh, chest with all of her coins. And so she is very convicted by that. And then uh, that story uh, ends up having her uh, donate the coins. But uh, uh, an event at the end makes it end on a happy ending. So hopefully that'll give you a little bit of an idea of some of the upcoming stories that I have. Wow, that's a lot of fun. So you've been teaching adults all your life and writing very complicated things for business and trade journals. Why children's books? But that was an interesting thing. If you can imagine back in 2007, I took a class and it was uh, through the Inland Area Writing Project. Now, Inland Area Writing Project brought together elementary school uh, teachers all the way up to university faculty. And they put us in the same room and every day we were asked to go into a, a, a one hour session with other people. We were critiquing each other's work. We heard the feedback from other people, and one of those times I said, I'm going to write a children's story. And I wrote, uh, rewrote a uh, nursery uh, a children's story, and uh, I wrote it in rhyme, and I used animal characters instead of the real characters. And so I wrote this story, and I start getting feedback. Oh, you, this would be a great children's book. This would be a great children's book. And it is unpublished still, but... Uh, I got so many positive remarks from 2007 on. I took a class in 2008 at a uh, writer's conference, the Mount Hermon Writer's Conference. And wow, what an opportunity that was to also hear about children's writing. And uh, it's always been in in the back of my mind. But when I went to a critique group more recently, uh, this is the last four years, uh, I kept getting feedback. Your stories are great. This is great. This would make a great children's book. And so in some ways, I started saying, I've got to go ahead and pursue this. And then I uh, reached out to an agent after a while and said, do you do she she had told me two years about it, six, eight months earlier. uh, She does not represent children's books, but then she did. And Sharon Norris Elliott is my agent. And I called her back on a a whim and said, hey, you're not doing children's books right now. Are you again? Please let me know. And she said. I am, I am. And uh, she had just gotten a contract for seven books with her, um, uh, with, for her books. And so she was able to put me with the same publisher, actually, that she's working with. 
Wow, that's a fun and, and amazing timing for all of that to come together. Well, listeners, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we'll be with our special guest today, Dennis Conrad. As today's guest has observed, there are some stories that are just too good to keep to ourselves. That's why, from our very first podcast, we at Now I See have been sharing conversations with interesting people who have stories to tell. In our second episode, guest Izzy Reed talked about why stories are so important and how we must continue to listen to the stories of others and learn to tell our own in order to forge deep connections and keep our memories, values, and dreams alive. In episode 11, English teacher Anna Schusler told us why books and stories are so important to her and why she's dedicated her life to helping teens discover the beauty of the written word. Last summer, in episode 6, humorist and playwright Becky Pullum shared stories that made us laugh out loud. And this summer, in episode 57, teacher Anna Coleman made us cry. When you visit our archives, you will feel all the feels when you find stories from all kinds of people who've shared their eye-opening experiences and how those things changed them and the world. Maybe you'll be changed by them too. Just visit our website at nis.media. Find podcast under the home dropdown or search previous guests by name or topic. Then you can browse the list of fabulous friends who have appeared on our show. Clearly, words have incredible power. So wield your power by leaving a great rating and review of our show so others can find us too. Or drop us a line on any of our socials at NowICPod. You can find Dennis Conrad's books and many others on our author's page and see some of the causes we support by visiting our featured causes page. Now I see guests and listeners are all about making a difference in their communities, and we invite you to join us in supporting worthy causes like Isaiah 117 House and their golf tournament this weekend, or the ongoing relief efforts in Ukraine. Join us next week for another story you won't want to miss. But for now, back to our show with author Dennis Conrad. We are back from our break with our guest today, Dennis Conrad. So Dennis, before our break, we were talking about your book, The Two Cent Piece, and you were telling us a little bit about uh, the story that you were crafting around that. So I'm curious, are you a coin collector? Actually, I'll tell you the story of my coin collecting days. Uh, from the 1960s into the early 70s, I was a very avid collector. And then over the years, I would go to coin shops and I would pick up coins. But I'll tell you what happened in about 1913. Uh, or 2013. I had a situation where I was asked by my wife, well, why don't you sell your coins? And she'd been asking me for a number of years. And at that point, I felt I needed to hold on to them. I said, no, no, I love my coins. And that is about the time that the Lord said, they have become an idol. Mm. And with that reality, I had to do some soul searching. And I had to make a decision about whether or not I was going to sell, sell my coins. And I did at the top of the market at that point. 
and I let loose of uh, a vast collection. And I will tell you that it was worth money at the time. It was really worth a lot. And I used the money to pay off the rest of our home mortgage. So we have not had a home mortgage for 10 years. Wow. So uh, if you figure $10,000 a year average that I saved, uh, that collection is worth well over $100,000 all these years. Wow. And so uh, I will tell you that uh, if you're in it for the money, there's one thing. That's a, a, an investment only. But most coin collectors love the stories, mm-hmm. love the history, mm-hmm. love uh, where they got the coin, and they remember it all. And I had that kind of feeling too. But I will tell you that uh, God seems to be opening doors all the time for me to share about coins, and that is a first love of mine. So I get to share about the history of the coin. I get to tell a little bit more about uh, the stories that relate to the coins. So God has given me a whole new passion here. It's really opened the door. Well, and it's really fun, too, that you got to keep the parts of the coin collecting that you really loved, the find. You know, there's something exhilarating about being able to find something you've been searching for and the stories that brought those coins to you and the people that you meet along the way. So um, as you're writing these stories, are you writing them from truth or uh, are they fact-based or are they coming out of your fertile imagination? Well, a combination of all of them. And actually, sometimes I've written my story and I don't want to give away too much about the two-cent piece, except there is a battlefield miracle. And I found, uh, I had a friend of mine who is a treasure hunter, a literal treasure hunter, and he told me the story of a a coin that saved a man's life. And it is a true story. Wow. And so uh, my battlefield miracles... uh, similar, but I found out after the fact that there's truth behind it. So that was fascinating. I love that uh, part of the story. And uh, the other thing is, is that it's just uh, been an opportunity to share, uh, you know, some of these stories you find uh, that I've heard for years and years and years uh, about the Civil War. Uh, I learned new information about the coat, for example, of Civil War had an inside pocket. So you can't have it like a normal pocket, you have to know that it, there's only inside pockets on the uniforms of the Civil War. So I've helped to elaborate uh, the story with facts that I've learned along the way. Oh, I love that. That's one of the reasons I love research, because every time I dig a little deeper, I find something new, and that makes it so much fun for me. Um, and so it's a challenge sometimes to condense all of that down to something a child can read. But you've not only done that, you've uh, found an illustrator who perfectly captured what else you wanted to convey visually. Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, I think the process was really helpful. Uh, I had uh, found an illustrator who was very professional and had a lot of uh, books in the background, in her background. But one of the things that she did is she worked with me to make sure that we would get the coins accurate. Uh, She worked with me to make sure that the uh, character of Anne, the little girl who's in the story, uh, had the right kind of uh, hairstyle. She's got uh, curly pigtails. we, we ended up having some really great examples of her historical research as an illustrator combined with the material that I had. Uh, she found that uh, young people would sometimes dress up to come to dinner a little bit more formally than we did uh, modernly. And so she has uh, the young boys in a little bit more formal attire. And that all 
went into historical accurate research. But I also had a man, uh, uh, Charles Coffin, uh, who's an, uh, he does not want to be called an expert, but he's very knowledgeable about Civil War history and era. So much so that he donated an entire collection to a museum that has a whole room uh, with his material in it. Uh, Charles Coffin was able to give me wonderful, wonderful um, insights to make sure that my story was accurate historically. Oh, that's so fun. So I love that it's truth and fiction in a beautiful blend. And so that, that's interesting. Um, did this illustrator capture your vision then? Or I mean, did you kind of know what you wanted your book to look like? Or did you just turn it over to the hands of experts and, and you're surprised as anybody? I was as surprised as anybody, but I will tell you that I was also uh, aware of how much research he had done before. So I was very receptive. And sometimes, uh, let me just say, uh, you were talking about how hard it is to really capture. I, I had learned a lot about teaching English as a foreign language and how simple you have to keep language when you're talking internationally. So I use some of those skills. There are uh, There's a guy named Ogden who actually came up with 100 words that you can teach English using. And he was in the 1930s and 40s. And uh, I used some of those basic, basic word elements to be able to build uh, into the story really simplified under third grade level reading level. Uh, and then that also combined with the coins because that's about the time someone could get very interested in collecting coins. And I'll just say on my website, I have a free resource. So if any child would like to learn to become a coin collector, they can go to uh, DennisConradAuthor.com uh, and forward slash coin collecting five coin collecting five and they'll be able uh, to find a uh, series of resources that'll give them a choice between ages five and six six and uh, seven and eight or seven and up and uh, they can get also a combination packet of both wow that's fun what a great additional resource so we're hoping that students will not only have their curiosity sparked about collecting coins which is such an interesting hobby and has been for many times but also for collecting your books and so we're so excited about this whole series so dennis you've been encouraging children to go on your website and to find out more information about coins of course we want them to look at the other books that you're going to have available for our children as well but it's important to be able to read tell us a story about your your favorite cause well i'll tell you what happened when i was in the fifth grade i had a teacher who realized that i had been in the third reading group for a number of years and that is the slowest reading group and the teacher said to me have you ever had your eyes checked uh, she was nice enough. I told her no. My dad wore glasses, but uh, I had never had them checked. Uh, she gave me a, a note, took it home. Uh, my mom took me down. I did get uh, glasses after that. And that is the difference between before and after. And for years, I was always trying to become a better reader. That's how I ended up getting involved in speech and debate and uh, all of the communication skills building that uh, became so important. So it was formative for me. Mm, absolutely. And once you had your eyes checked and you were able to read, who are some of your favorite authors? Who are some that were um, important in your formation as a person and as a reader? Well, I remember a teacher telling me, he said, you might want to read The Agony and the Ecstasy. And uh, 
Carving Stone. I don't know if you remember it. Have you heard of it? Well, one of the things that's so amazing about it is the teacher tells me, he said, did you know that Irving Stone, when he wrote that book, he got on his back and laid there at the top of a scaffold all day to feel what it was like for Michelangelo to paint the top of the Sistine Chapel. Well, when I heard that story, I said, I have got to read this book. Very powerful. Uh, Frederick Forsyth, uh, Day of the Jackal. Uh, I had uh, traveled in Europe. I wanted to travel in Europe. Then I traveled in Europe, and then I, I was able to see the book. And it was like taking me back to all of the famous places that I'd been in Europe. Uh, so uh, things came alive for me, and I started realizing that uh, those early books. Uh, later on, uh, the Left Behind series by Jerry Jenkins, very powerful uh, impact on me as a reader. Um, I hadn't read a series like that that had so many books that just kept coming and uh, loved those. And I uh, I had actually become familiar with Jerry Jenkins. He has a writer's guild and uh, Jerry Jenkins Writer's Guild has a program that is called Dream, uh, Dreamers to Authors, and, uh, Dreamers to Author. And I, uh, and I ended up taking the Dreamer to Author program uh, at one point and uh, or I still have access to it and it changed the way I thought about my why of writing why am I writing and years earlier I had uh, uh, asked the Lord what he wanted me to do in retirement and he said uh, write for me mm-hmm. and I heard that very clearly from the Holy Spirit and so that is a, a mandate that I've been trying to live up to all these years mouth. There's certainly a passion behind your writing, and I'm so glad that you're following that call. So um, as we close out our show today, is there anything you'd like people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Well, I'll tell you, there, the idea of be wise, check your eyes is really see clearly. Okay, that's good, key. Good. But the other, the other thing is, is that uh, uh, people sometimes walk away from their faith. I know I did from being a child and then uh, they they don't have a strong conviction to continue. And I would just say, uh, if you happen to be one of those people who had fallen away from the Lord or you uh, dis- felt like you disappointed him beyond compare uh, or beyond repair, uh, I would just say, take a moment, uh, pray, pray again, and ask God to renew your uh, relationship with him. And if you've never had that type of relationship, you can pray and ask him to guide you. Uh, you might be led to scripture and to read a verse like John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And everlasting life is what uh, I'd like to see all of your listeners come to find out about. Mm, I love that. So, so it's certainly the basis in behind the uh, title in God we trust so loving that so much so that encompasses good stewardship not only of the things that you've been given but how you share those with the world uh, your personal lifelong passion to help people in whatever circumstances you find them to find creative and practical ways so so grateful for that and for your time today so when people want to continue the conversation with you or find your products how can they find you again they can find me at dennisconradauthor.com and uh, the good thing is is that I have a free resources tab there too if anybody's forgetting the extension of Coin Collecting 5 but uh, maybe the best part too is is that my book is available on Amazon Uh, it's brand new 
And I think the best part is, is that uh, people will be able to see it and you'll see a, uh, a fun looking young girl uh, there with these uh, uh, hairdo that I've described. And the best part too is, is that uh, a lot of people will decide to read it and uh, give a review. Some people do go to that extent and do that. But uh, I would be appreciative if you'd consider that and uh, have a great day. So fun. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dennis, for your time. It has just been a joy to talk to you about this latest book. We'd love to have you back again on your next release um, and just to hear more about your process and the amazing things that are happening in your life. Thank you so much for your time today. Enjoy and have a great afternoon, everybody. Thank you. You too. And and listeners, we will put um, Dennis's information in our show notes so that you have easy access to that. You can also find that on our website with uh, access to uh, Dennis's book on our author's page and lots of other interesting information. So when you finish listening to this show, come find us on nis.media and get all the information that may have blown by you while you were listening. Thanks so much. And we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week. (music) 